Hi and welcome to another episode of Wander with me, Barbara Flood, and my guest today, Mayu Ali. Strong content warning for this episode. We talk about genocide, rape and other distressing topics. Listener discretion is advised. Mayu Ali's poetry book, Exodus Between Genocide and Me, describes his experiences and his journey escaping to the relative safety of Cox's Bazaar refugee camp in Bangladesh. It has many poems based on interviews he did with individuals who survived massacres, torture and rape during the ongoing genocide of the Rohingya people. Yeah, I know, like, it's, it's hard to read in it, only bad thing, pain, trauma, you know. But someone must do it, you know, like, someone has to do that and so that people can know what's happening, you know. Mayu is one of the people who escaped in 2017. His poems are based on real events that have happened not just in history, but only a few years ago and continue to happen. Mayu starts off by telling me about the importance of poetry in Myanmar's culture and about some of the earliest influences on his writing. This is Mayu Ali. Even during the colonial era in, in Myanmar, so the poet and the writer used writing poetry against the oppression and colonialism, you know. So there's some sort of writing and poetry culture in Myanmar. So, yeah, I mean, I I came to read uh, the work of like the Hmong poet, Sigma uh, Hayata Tara and, and some others. So, and in my English textbook and uh, in, in my high school, like in class nine and class 10, and I happened to read like some English poem of like uh, Christina Rossetti, you know, and Czech Espia as well. In 2017, the Burmese military completely destroyed the village of Chut Payen and murdered 358 people. The following poem, Crimes of Humanity, is based on an account from one of the survivors. Crimes against humanity. Not the scene of a Hollywood movie, not sequence of a best-selling fiction. Gang rape, slaughter, mass rape, burning alive. The wall is too brave to watch us being killed. Burmese soldiers enter into my home. It was midnight. They took my father away, detained, tortured. I went to see many times, but never saw him again. A Rohingya father is gone. A Rohingya is gone. No use of chemical weapons, nor the blast of a term bomb. We have been killed one after another, not only by bullets, but by the silence of the war, by the silence of the war. As much as I heard of clutters of gunfire, bodies I saw fallen like leaves in the wind, the killers enjoying the harm. I don't want to remember, but I can't forget.
So during the violence in, two, in June 2012, um, our life had changed from restriction to extermination. You know? Like when you woke up in the early morning, you can hear like your brother, your like neighbor, your friend were arrested at night and taken by the Burmese security force and, and beaten in custody, you know, torture and are sent to the jail, you know, like the, the security force raided at night and, you know, and, and, and they raided the village and arrested the people and yeah, sometimes harassed and raped the women, you know. So the situation is like very, very, you know, disturbing. It's not like something like you, the only one experience, you know, your friend, your neighbor, you know, your family member, you know, all experience in the same way. The situation like some sort of silence in fear, you know, just stay yourself and, and, and just watch what's happening. Just keeping what is going on your head, you know, on your mind, just keep it in yourself. You know, that, that was the situation, you know. So what I did in this situation is that I took my pen and notebook and I write it down. What is going on in my mind? So it became sometimes poetry, you know, sometimes essay and articles, you know. So that's how I happened to write. So at that time, you know, writing, you know, is the act of adverse revolution, you know, is the act of adverse revolution. You can express what you want and, and you are what can go beyond. For me, writing is like my existence when my government didn't my existence, you know. When you are found that you are writing or you know doing like something like uh, against the government or the military or the security force, you know, it's enough for, for them to arrest you and send you to the jail. Every day, like I carry some sort of fear, you know, that uh, I will be arrested and, you know, Sometimes I have to keep my notebook from here to there, sometimes dig in the ground and keep it there, you know. Because before 2014, you know, there was no internet and a smartphone didn't exist in the city where I was born in Myanmar, you know. In the area that where I was born, you know, is is one of the most isolated zones in the world. You know, the Myanmar government doesn't allow the Journalists, they are not allowed to go there to monitor the scaleless violence or what they are doing against my people, you know. So at that time, you had to take to, to hold the pen, you know, and, and like, yeah, and write what's going on. So like, I, I find, you know, uh, a strength and resilience in my writing, you know, even though the situation is hard, you know, and I rely in the wall of, you know, writing. In that world, there is you no know, like fear and, and, and the persecution, and you, do, you don't have to fear, you know, when you write. There's freedom, you know, some sort of freedom. Mayu is very vocal about the fact that another part of the genocide of the Rohingya people involves destroying their language and their culture. He's fought against this by setting up a school in the refugee camp and a writer's group with young people there. I asked him about what he has described before as yet another repression against the Rohingya. In the uh, heart of the Rohingya genocide, 
we have been uh, not only by killing but also losing our cultural language. Myanmar government passed banning the Rohingya language from uh, radio broadcast service in, in, in 1964. And then the government like restricted us from practicing our culture, tradition, and others like uh, religious events. The longer we suffer and, and, and the more we lost touch with our own culture and language and tradition, you know. That is what the, the Burmese dictator wanted to happen, you know. And I can see that in the refugee camp, you know, our language is been, you know, endangered and our culture is is been ruined. In March 2019, when I was in refugee camp, so my friend and I established Art Garden Rohingya, it's an online community platform. So today we have hundreds of like young Rohingya poets, including females. So they write poetry in Rohingya, in Burmese and English, you know. So they write cute and they draw art you know, and painting. It's the act of revitalization the Rohingya language and culture. The Rohingya new generation is curious, you know, to revive the language and culture. The 1962 score. The colonies are gone, but bloodshed stays. The phases are gone, civil war remains. Having met a home in my homeland, boiled by new tyranny. The rise of military rule, the fall of the parliamentary republic. Here, the golden land is impoverished. Our soul cannot eat, nor our mouths. This coup is the murderer of peace and the hunter of democracy. This man in uniform. They are ghosts in human form, as terrified as the ogre Rakshasha. They lay at the depth of Naraka. They bow their lot and wait for a command. They can harm anyone, anywhere, anytime. Yeah, I mean, like, no one in the world, like, want to be refugee or persecuted, you know? Like, everyone to live in peace and yeah, in freedom. Especially the survivor, you know, the survivor. And, yeah, it's very important for us, like, to rebuild our community. It's important, like, to rebuild ourselves. The youth is very important, you know? And for you, they should be empowered, you know, they should be trained. And unfortunately, in the refugee camp, you know, they are not able to access to higher education, you know, they are not allowed, you know, uh, they are allowed to go to the school. And recently, the Bangladesh government released a statement, you know, closing all the Rohingya education initiatives in the camp, you know.
enough river. The river separate Arkham and Bengal, the river that the Rohingya started to hear. The crossing is to escape or to die, where many are swallowed alive. The east became a roaring inferno. The west is the world's largest makeshift camp. Some leave their limb behind, bodies are carried, other cross with bullet embedded. A bullet in the chest bigger than a heart, a body falls into the water. The shooters dance on the riverbank, the wall just wash on. The river created irrefutable evidence. While human solidarity is just a lie, we be a witness what the victims suffer. We got to talking about a teacher who'd been a huge influence on Mayo Ali, his mentor, Sayu Ali Ahmed, who'd also been forced to flee to Bangladesh, where he continued to teach hundreds of students over the years in the camp. Even though he was in camp, he didn't give up, you know, teaching and empowering the Rohingya youth. And he opened a high school, a private high school, you know, and he used to teach like hundreds of students, you know, girls and boys and you know and his legacy is generating today among his pupils in the refugee camp in, you know I am one of them when I was in the refugee camp you know I, yeah my friend I established a community refugee community based high school you know when I was in the refugee camp I saw you know I foresaw like you know the youth and targeted as praise of, you know, the gang. And, and I saw that and I wanted to steer them toward the right path. And, you know, I established the writing club. I want to see them, you know, holding pen and book instead of holding knife and gun. You know? So finally I see it and yeah. I mean, it's just the beginning and there is a long way to go. I just want to say, to say a couple of words for my fellow Rohingya new generation, you know, especially those who has been writing, you know, and holding the pen and book, you know. Yeah, just keep writing and write your history and write the history of your people. Keep writing and one day we can go back to our homeland, you know. We can belong again. And yeah, we should belong it again. You know? Be back in home. Even if you borrow somewhat from Shakespeare and use all plan of the long Spain and the water of the Pacific as ink, you can never articulate a Rohingya suffering in poetry. Whilst living to heal our wounds, we still shoot for justice, 
All we want is to live again in our own home, the safe lives, to enjoy our rights. That was Mayu Ali. He's just released in French Erasure, a poet at the heart of the Rohingya genocide. It's published by the French publisher Grasset, and I've put a link in with this episode. I've also put links to the book from which he read the poems from. It's called Exodus Between Genocide and Me, and I've put in a link to the work he does with young people in Cox's Bazaar refugee camp, including a video they made with their poems. Definitely have a look at those. Again, it's hard reading and listening, but sometimes you just got to know what's happening. And if Mayu Ali has the courage to write it, then the least we can do is listen. So thank you for listening. And thank you for sharing this with anyone you think is interested. Anything you can do to help spread the word is much appreciated. Thank you so much to Mayu Ali. And many thanks again to the Arts Council of Ireland who fund this podcast. Bye for now.